of the Chivas del Norte podcast. My name is Varo, and with me to talk Chivas Femenil as usual, Melissa. Melissa, how are you? I mean, I don't think I need to say much. <laughs> <laughs> Just happy. I mean, like really, really happy for the team because of the result and like of the way they played. But I mean, we'll get into that. But it was it, it was worth all the stress <laughs> of watching this game. Yeah, it was. It was a 4-2 win for Chivas, but again, I feel like it may have been somewhat of a deceiving scoreline, but, you know, stressful as hell. Like, I I think in the second half, we had a, a shot hit the post and then the crossbar or the crossbar and then the post, but I was like, we need a goal because I think at that point, America was pushing and Chivas was taking the hits, but America could have easily gotten one back. But uh, Melissa, I know you want to talk about something interesting that Chivas did before leading into the game. Uh, you want to get into that to start off? Yeah, I mean, you. It's always like interesting to see how how social media teams like hype up clásicos, particularly. But I mean, I really, I think that that Chivas femenil's um, social media team really deserves like some applause because for this one, I mean. What they did was basically like the whole week was around um, Alicia Lapele Vargas, who, for people who, who might not know her, she's basically a legend. I mean, she's um, she's one of the of the of the key players from the Mexican national team that made it to the World Cup final in 1971. So she's she's basically a, a legend, you know, before even like women's football was official in. She's also like a chivarmana, so it was really great to see all these posts from the from the social media team, like highlighting her and and also like kind of like building up into into this identity of the team because you know she's Alicia Vargas and we now have Alicia Cervantes, so it, it was like pretty cool to bring those parallels beca- between those two like historic goal scorers. So it was really nice, and I mean just before the I mean before the match they were. They had like this video message from her, like telling the team that they could do like great things. So I mean, as a player, you can only like imagine how it must feel like to have someone like a legend like her um, telling you that that you can do this and, and like motivating you. I mean, it must have been like pretty special for the players and just also like the build up to the week because this was going to be played at the Azteca. I mean, I'm sure that it must have been like a lot of of like emotions and, and motivation for the players. So yeah, I mean, just want to, to like congratulate the, the Chivas social media team, Rodrigo, Javier Quesada, because I mean, it was really great to see like this in a way recovering that history. And also I think it's kind of maybe in this conversation about which, which was the real Clásico Nacional, like if it, if it was this or the Clásico Regio, I mean, I think that, that Chivas tapping into into that history of of women's football in Mexico because women's football in Mexico didn't start in in 2017. I mean that was just the start of the professionalization, but there have been teams playing for over 50 years. So it was it was really nice. I mean I think that when I did I did see the video with with La Pele Vargas, I did tear up a little bit because I know it, it was so special to see that. I mean I've been wanting them to do this for a long while and I'm really glad that she's able to get that recognition from Chivas like while she's alive and I hope that once 
you know, conditions get better, she can get like a real ceremony and why not maybe a space in the museum? Because if there's someone who, who deserves that, um, it's her. Yeah, as, as a new fan, I wasn't really familiar with um, Alicia Pele Vargas. So this whole little campaign that they did before the game was, was pretty cool. And like you said, you know, it brings up history that a lot of fans may, may not be aware of. And now, you know, you have you have things you can Google, you can read about, you can read up on the team that made it to the World Cup. So it's it's a lot of interesting stuff that the Chivas Femenil account put out there for for fans that maybe already know a lot of the game or maybe that don't know the game. Yeah, I mean, the thing with, with the 1971 team is that there hadn't been like a lot of information until recently. And it's been great to see that push like from a lot of people like, even ESPN did a documentary on them, but also like a lot of independent uh, people and, and researchers and outlets have been trying to to recover that. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully it brings a lot more attention to to, the, to those women who made up that team because, I mean, they really deserve like people giving them props and, and giving them the, like the respect that they deserve. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a nice way to to kind of get everyone in, in the right mood for this match. Yeah, definitely. And then I think you had like the perfect tweet to wrap up uh, the official Chivas Feminine uh, media campaign with the uh, do it for her tweet. And if people don't get the reference to that tweet, then I don't I don't want to I don't want to know them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be her friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did this like um, do it for her because it's like a Simpsons reference to like Homer having all these photos of, of Maggie, his daughter mm-hmm. on the office. So, yeah, I mean, kind of like trying to tie everything like together and it kind of did feel like they were doing this like for the fans for themselves and like also for someone like Alicia Vargas so it worked and they definitely did deliver yeah they definitely did and we talked about in the preview that the team may have been going into this game with a chip on their shoulder and I think by the by the start that they gave us it was obvious that they wanted to come into this game and win it and score as many goals as possible. Yeah, and I mean, I know we talk a lot about like Chivas coming in with better form than America, but I think that, you know, Clásicos, they kind of like, they clean the slate. I mean, it doesn't matter who's coming in in a better form. Anything can happen. So, yeah, Chore did mention before this game, like, I know I haven't been able to win a Clásico and like that's something that I owe, owe the fans and, and owe the club. So, I think that that definitely, like those memories of getting like knocked out in consecutive liguillas from by America and just basically wanting to to revert that that recent history in their head to head. So yeah, it was definitely a good way. And also, I mean, we mentioned that before. The last time they played at the Azteca was during the the semifinals on Chivas' run to the title. So yeah, I think that. It must have been like also like special for the players to go back to a place that, even though it's it's technically America's home stadium, it's a place that has like really good memories for Chivas, and I think that they were kind of really able to to take that energy and and bring it to the game. Yep, for sure. Chivas got started off with a goal from uh, Caro Jaramillo, who I didn't really get the whole angle of the goal because I was watching it through um. America's YouTube stream and no shout out to Duda in the USA who at the last minute decided to pull the game from TV so we had to had to try to find alternative ways of watching the game but 
Carajaramillo capitalizes off a defender mistake, scores a goal, and then kisses the badge. I think that was like the perfect start that Chivas needed. Yeah, and we were talking about this like offline about how Caro kind of seems to have like a hit list right now. <laughs> because she kind of like, I mean, and it's also like they get asked questions, so of course they have to answer. So she got asked about, first about, I think, Norma, and then she said, oh, I mean, I, I'd never do it, but I, but I respect. And then she got asked if, if she would ever go to America, and she said, no, uh, why? I mean, I'm in Chivas right now. Chivas is like everything to me. So, I mean, I re again, I respect other de players' decisions, but I but I wouldn't do it. So, I mean, that's, that's two for two. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it was kind of, this game was, a bit of a redemption for Caro because even after she returned from her injury and the suspension, she kind of hadn't been as much of herself in this game. I mean, she was perfect, basically. I mean, she had, I think, two assists and one goal. So it was basically the the Caro and Licha show this game. Yeah, I know we were talking um, in the group chat with Amy and... She was saying that, I think she said Alicia Cervantes was doing, was just like killing Janelli on the back line. But I was telling her, like, Gato and Licha right now are like perfectly in sync. Like, I don't think any defender could have stopped them just because they were like telepathically communicating and knew what each one was going to do. Um, on that, was it the, the second goal for Chivas? Alicia Cervantes scored it. But that was a link up between Gato and, and Licha where they both kind of just looked at each other. And they knew what they were going to do. And it was a 1v1 for Licha. And we know that in most 1v1 situations, Alicia Cervantes is going to put in the back of the net. Yeah, the thing with, with Caro and Licha is that you can also see, like, on their social media that off the pitch, they also, like, are really good friends and they get along really well. So I think that that chemistry is, is really translating on the pitch. And there was also, like, this really great thread by Daniela Mesqua where he was kind of, like, analyzing the game and he made he even made like this gif of how the players were positioning themselves and basically what what Chore did was send Licha and Caro to pressure the the America center backs and you could really see that mm -hmm. i mean they were really trying to push them and trying to force mistakes so i mean as a center back you're you're getting like basically a two against two and you have like Licha and Caro in front of you that's like a situation you don't really want to be in because they're they're really like at a great level right now and and like you said that like that they're so in sync that they they know like Caro knew that that Licha was going to make that run and like she knew where exactly where to put the ball so that she could finish it so yeah I think that it was like a really good um setup from Chore to to like try and take control of the match but also I mean like the caliber of the execution the players have been delivering of those plans has also been pretty good. Yeah, you mentioned that Licha and Nakaro were pressing, and that's kind of like Chivas' downfall, I feel like. When teams decide to high-press Chivas, they struggle. And it was really nice to see that the roles were reversed for this game, and I I really think that's something that Shorty emphasized going into this game, and again, just shows how much work that Shorty is putting in with this team and how they're actually responding to his, his uh, tactics and instructions. Um, but Melissa, on the preview pod, you also mentioned that you thought we were going to get an appearance from La Ley de Lex. And you were right. At the 43rd minute, Janelli got a goal for America and made it 2-1 going into the, into halftime. 
Yeah, I feel bad for her because like she got like a lot of crap on social media like after the game, but I mean she's a professional so of course you are not going to ask her to give anything but her hundred percent. I mean it doesn't matter which team she's facing, but yeah, I mean she's scored La Ley de Lex never fails and like also like respect to her because she didn't like make any celebrations towards Chivas, like she just made like a gesture I think that to her family or, or to her partner, not sure, but yeah, it wasn't like a kissing the crest or, you know, trying to to do something to kind of like uh, hate on Chivas. So yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, she just did what what she had to do. But yeah, I mean, I, I it sucks to have been right on that <laughs> on that front, <laughs> but I kind of also expected it. So yeah, I mean, no, no harsh feelings towards her. Yeah, and, and of course that goal came off a set piece which Chivas has just been completely struggling this season unfortunate to see and I don't know if you want to get into our thoughts on the game overall you just want to review the goals real quick and then get into like in-depth analysis of the game itself yeah I think that we can check like the the goals the other goals okay. too all right so let's go into the next goal um at the 61st minute Caro and Licha again Perfectly in sync, a perfect give and go. Sets up Licha for a 1v1 against Masharelli again. And she buries it. She was up 3-1. That, that connection, Melissa. Yeah, I mean, they're on fire right now. And it's just it's just really great to see them. I mean, they look like really relaxed and they look like really confident of what they're doing. So, yeah, I mean, we, we just get to sit back and, and enjoy seeing them wreck rival <laughs> defenses. But James, yeah, it was just like everything that the best scenario that we could have hoped for. I mean, they really, they really delivered there. Definitely. And then 83rd minute again, rolls reversed. Chivas scored off a set piece. Miriam Castillo got a header in, assisted by Montoya. Um, I think America defense just fell asleep on this set play, and Miriam Castillo, either Miriam Castillo was gonna get it in. Or I think who was it behind her? Was it Acevedo that was right behind her? That yeah, I probably think it, it was Acevedo it. and then Licha. Yeah. yeah, someone was gonna knock it in. America just fell asleep. Yeah, and I mean I know that for some people like it may may be surprising because I mean Miriam Castillo she's not the tallest player, mm-hmm. and she isn't a player that that gets a lot of goals. But I mean I mentioned it too on the on the live tweeting. She's one of my like underrated faves, so I'm really happy for her. But she had already scored like header goals before from set pieces. She has already done something like this against Tigres, which is not an easy defense to get past. So I mean, it's kind of like a play that that it's not it's not completely unexpected to see. And like you could tell, like the way she set up her run and the way she measured the ball, like she's done this before, and she's she's good at that. So I mean, I was really happy to see her get a goal. Because I think that she also had like a, a good match. Yeah, she had a she had a good game. I, I feel like everybody had a good game and maybe I'll ask you that when we're analyzing the game, who we, who do you think had the worst game for Chivas? But at the ninetieth minute, America gets one last goal to make a four two. Hannah Gutierrez scores the last minute goal after what I think was a backline mistake by Chivas. They kinda of jumped their lines and didn't track her. So it was one on one against Blanca and Blanca couldn't block the shot. That's the thing. I mean, with really fast players, um, Michelle usually 
kind of gets a bit left behind. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean you could you could kind of expect maybe another goal from from America. But yeah, I mean I think that also the kind of like the sad part was like seeing Hannah's face after that goal, like the frustration and like the she she looked kind of like sad. I mean she didn't even look like happy to have scored. So yeah, I mean it it kind of like was a bit of a defensive mistake, but I mean, like the the game was also so open that you were kind of expecting maybe America to sneak another goal in. Yeah, Hannah was. It was kind of like a like a frustrated goal after she scored it. She was just like kind of pissed that maybe they were losing four one, and you know she knew they were gonna lose the game because it was already the ninetieth minute. So I I can see why the American players were frustrated after the performance that she was put up, and maybe the luck didn't go their way too. Well, we can get into that once we start analyzing the game itself. But yeah, Michelle, I think... I didn't want to say it on the preview pod because I, I didn't want to jinx it. I was going to say, you know, Michelle Gonzalez has been playing decent. But sometimes she worries me and this game is... I guess it, it took until this game for her to kind of be exposed. Yeah, I mean, I think that her background, like also as a midfielder, um, helps her in some ways. But she's not like the fastest player. I mean, she she's really tall. She can look a little bit heavy maybe sometimes. But I mean, that's also kind of like um, how she plays. So I think that we lacked Miriam Garcia there on defense. And like, I don't yeah. know also what's happening with her. But yeah, I mean, the thing is that we definitely need to maybe look into during the off season for maybe to keep one defender who is either her or King Guzman. I mean, of course, keeping keep, keeping them both, but like on the lineup, it's going to be either her or King. And then maybe try to look into a center back, like if Miriam leaps, um, that is a bit faster so that they kind of like make that make that two, two against one and maybe one of them is faster than the other and can kind of like compensate there. But yeah, I mean... I think that Michelle has shown like really great uh, precision at passes and she has like a nice range, but on runs, that's like her weak spot. So definitely something to, to try and look into for the, for the off season, for any possible signings. And like, to be honest, I really would like to see her maybe on the mid to try her there to see maybe what, what she could do there. But yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, uh, obviously, like, with the attack being so good, like, the weaker point for Chivas is defense. And they are currently, like, the eighth best defense, and, like, offensively, they're the the best team, like, tied with Monterrey. So it kind of makes, like, that weakness a little bit more, more or look bigger. But, yeah, I mean, I think that there is definitely, like, room for improvement there. I mean, Kimberly Guzman is still a player who's developing and, and like maybe she can still like work on, on on herself physically to try and be a little bit faster, but that's definitely one of the things that during the off season they are definitely going to to try and look into in terms of whether they're going to need to sign new players or or kind of like figure out what to do there because there are also not many like in terms of of center backs there's also only pretty much. Um, Diana Madrigal left as an option, so we'll see what they what they do or, or what the plan is there. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's just get into maybe a little more of the of the game itself now. Unless um, well, we were up two nil in the first by the first thirty two minutes of the first half, but then 
going into the half, we went 2-1. And honestly, I thought Cubas was lucky to go into the half up by a goal and not 2-2. Because the way America flurried in the last like 10-15 minutes of that first half, it was just about Chivas surviving and getting to the half. It was like, you know, they had us on the ropes, but they never could de- deliver that that knockout blow to tie the game, in my opinion. I don't know what you thought of, of those last, like, 10, 15 minutes of the first half. Yeah, I think that they could have really turned the match around there. And I think that um, Cuellar subbed in Jen Muñoz at, like, yeah, like 20, 27 yeah. minutes in, like, mm-hmm. in the first 30 minutes. So, uh, I think that also helped America like kind of regroup and that's when America started being really, really dangerous. So I don't know if maybe Chivas kind of got a little bit tired there on the on the last fifteen minutes. But it was yeah, it was luck and it was also I think Blanca who kind of came back. <laughs> we were also talking about that on the mm-hmm. on the preview podcast about who was going to start as goalkeeper. Um I know that a lot of people didn't really want Blanca to start, but I mean, I think that it worked out really well for her. She looked like really confident. She was very steady and like at first she didn't get a lot to do, but whenever she had to, she looked she looked pretty good. And then she had some pretty impressive saves. So I think that it was great to see her like at that confidence level and and kind of being herself again. So I think that also worked out really well for Chori. Yeah, I, th- I think that that 10 to 15 minute flurry from America was maybe Chori telling his team, like, let's stop pressing so high because you're going to get tired. You know, we can't do this for 90 minutes. And America just took advantage. You know, they had a header off a crossbar from a corner. That could have been one for them. Um, like you mentioned, Blanca made a lot of great saves, specifically one off a free kick where I think she got like a fingertip on it and forced it out because that that ball was definitely going in. And then at one point, it felt like America had like four or five corners in a row and like Chivas just couldn't get to the ball. They couldn't clear it out. And of course, you know, they scored on the free kick uh, by Gianelli. So I easily could have been 2-2 going into the half for America. They're just not not lucky. Yeah, and sometimes that's that's what you need, right? (laughs) You need some luck to get through matches. And like in this case, luck was definitely on Chivas' side. And I think that's also going to be maybe like a good learning experience. Like, okay, we were able to hold up like this well, like even though we know maybe our defense isn't our strongest part. But the fact that they were able to to, to defend and, and like maybe, yeah, that, that the boost from, from getting a little bit lucky can, can help them too on, on other matches because... We also have like a few very, very tough matches left. Yeah, and then, you know, just going back to the preview pod, I talked about last season's Liguilla where it was America that got lucky in that first game with Mascherelli just making incredible saves and Chivas just not being able to finish the opportunities they had. So again, reverse um, roles were reversed. And then for the second half, I thought America once again came out really strong for like the first 10, 15 minutes of that half. There was one Dani Espinosa counterattack where, again, we saw Michelle Gonzalez just get killed on pace. And her shot just went hit. It went off the post and out. We got lucky there. And at that point, I think is when Shorty was like, all right, we have to go back to let me send Lee Chai and Garo up there again to press. And the backline mistakes happened again. 
Yeah, I think that the key was whenever Chivas were were pressuring America, that's when when they were able to to get the control back, and that's something that they were kind of already trying against Atlas. So I guess that Chore was kind of trying to test if that kind of setup would be would be useful, and it was really useful here. And another thing is that the way the team is playing, I mean, they are no longer in first place of fair play, but they're also not as bothered whenever like things get get greedy and get physical. I mean, I, I think that's also why I liked, um, for example, Leah Romero because she she do, she isn't afraid of that. And then yeah, Godinez is also really bringing in like a bit of, of that greed and of that greedy style. So I kind of like, um, it's it's great to, to see. I mean, of course, you don't want them to be like getting red cards on every match, but you kind of also want them to be able to react to that, like to not get intimidated and to not get bullied by other, by other teams. And I think that that's also kind of like a, a shift in, in Chivas that we're seeing, like they're not afraid to, to get dirty uh, a little bit so I think that's also kind of like helping them because against the teams that were really tricky for them like America and Atlas I mean those games got physical and they kind of like were they were able to break down whatever Chivas was building and, and kind of like Chivas wasn't able to react against that and right now you see that players are not they're not afraid to go and like against the other and and, and not be afraid of of that kind of like type of game that they were like really struggling with last season yeah you mentioned like physicality like Bejarano is one of those players that does not care like she she'll get that ball off off of an opposing player or she'll foul him if she has to like yeah we do a lot of our players now are like very they're ready for a physical game I feel like where as opposed to last season they were if you wanted to bully Chivas you could bully them but now you know Chivas Chivas fights back now and that's um, really good to see. And I think, like, how we were talking about it, you know, offline. I think Licha, like, low-key is, like, is, like, a bully in the box to me. Like, I think her strength is, like, super underrated. And the way sometimes she just, like, bodies some of these center, these um center backs is is crazy. I think within the Cholos game where she basically just carried a, a center back and, and scored a goal. I think that I think it was that one where she like fought her on the line and just bullied her all the way through, and ended up scoring a goal. So you know we're they're physical this season, and it's uh, I think it's something that they needed to definitely improve on, and it's nice to see. Yeah, I mean we were also talking about like with Licha, her like the way I see the way she controls her upper body. I mean it's almost like a, as if she had done like gymnastics or something as a as a kid because. She makes it look really easy, but like for example against Atlas, like on the goal where that comes off uh, an Anagabi pass mistake, like the way she's able to kind of just evade the goalkeeper and keep controlling the ball like really cleanly without a foul, like the amount of control and precision she has like on her torso is insane. And and like you said, like she's very strong. I mean, she maybe doesn't look like the like the biggest player or like she has like a ton of muscle but she really is very strong and and I think that the work that they have been doing like with the physical trainer has been really good and it's kind of like boosting those aspects of of Licha that were there but maybe like just needed a little bit more work so yeah I mean I think that it's it's underrated the way 
or her or her physique and what she does like i think that those are kind of like the little things that you notice when you're watching like the replay or, or like in slow motion because it's so fluid that that you don't notice it because she makes it look so easy yeah it's a lot of swift and like very smooth movements that look easy but if i try to do it i'll like end up on my back because that's not gonna work <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> um, let me see. What else do we have from the Clásico? Um, all right, so I'll ask you, in your opinion, Melissa, who had the best game? I know she was put out a, a survey asking who was the player of the game, and I think they put out Caro or Licha, and I was like, how how can I pick? You can't pick between both of them. Like, I won't put you on the spot and make you pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that... that... Both of them were like on another level on Sunday night, but I would give it to Caro because I feel like um, it was also for her kind of like an I'm back moment. Like she had been playing well, but she hadn't maybe been like shining a ton as she had before. So for me, this was like kind of like her I'm back. (laughs) So, I mean, she got two assists and one goal. So she basically was there for three out of the four goals that she was scored. So I, I would give like a slight edge to Caro. Yeah, I think as much as I love Licha, I think I would give it to Caro as well. Um, You know, going into the season, we talked about the three pillars of this team. We're going to be, we're going to be Licha, Caro, and Blanca. But Caro kind of hadn't just stood out, hasn't really stood out like that. And this was like her, her moment. And I hope that it's just like, her showing up and she's like all right i'm ready to show up for the rest of the tournament and i'm i want to keep this level of play the whole rest of the way going into liguilla because we're definitely going to meet her if she wasn't going to make a a strong run in in liguilla and like you said two assists a goal um she scored against atlas too i think she had an assist against atlas as well so you know gato is in form leech has in form um i was surprised about Jocelyn Montoya, I thought she was going to have more of an impact on the game. But, I mean, the way Gato and Licha were clicking, I can see why they maybe didn't look for Montoya as much as I thought they would in this game. So, yeah, I think Gato Jaramillo, definitely player of the game on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, maybe Montoya got lost a little bit, but I think that that was also kind of part of the of how Chore set up like the team. But, yeah, I mean... it. Just coming back to that, I mean, Caro and Licha were like a whole step above everyone else on on both teams, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and then I didn't even like pay attention to to like substitutions and stuff. So I'm not really sure what what Shorty did just because on the America feed they weren't um they wouldn't show them like they do on like uh actual television broadcast. So when I was watching the replays of the of the goals I saw Annette Vasquez was celebrating I think by the third goal and I was like when did Annette come in I was like but but I missed like all the subs so this is not one of those moments where I was like Annette didn't do anything I was just because she did have a shot on goal um, I think after Alicia had her off a post at one point so that's when I realized she was in the game but I don't know when she came into the game Um, she came in during half time Ah, okay. I was going to say, did you have any, like, critiques on Shorty's um, substitutions throughout the game? Because I, I didn't really see them. Yeah, no, I think that overall, I mean, he tried to, to like, stay on, on attack and 
he didn't throw the chorebus there. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I maybe would have liked to see Isabella there, but I mean, I, I don't know if they're kind of like saving her for for later. But I I know that a lot of people were also asking for her. But I think that it's good that they're kind of trying to take her step by step and like maybe not try to burn her up, up too fast. So, I mean, I think I, I was okay with that. And like as the season has progressed, you have seen like um, even though Chore makes ups, like everybody knows what they need to do. So it doesn't like kind of like become too evident that, that he's making substitutions. But yeah, I think that overall he he handled it well. He didn't try to park the bus too early, I think. And, and like the team stayed kind of active and trying to, to look for those goals. Yeah, during during like the America flurry to end the half and to start the second half, I was like, this would be a perfect time for uh, Isabella to come in and help kind of control that midfield with Caro. But I I can see why they're why they're saving her and maybe there's still like some uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you remember that hit she took to the head? So maybe there's still like some repercussions from that in play, or maybe they just want to play it safe, or maybe Shorty wants to keep his cards in his pocket. He's like. This game is kind of one, so let me let me not show you know Tigres or Rayadas or Pumas or any of the opponents we have left. Let me not show them anything on film that they can watch, and let me just surprise them come the day of. Yeah, I think that it could be that. Um, I think that if Chore has shown anything, it's kind of how well he has been able to to adapt the team to different situations. So it it also makes sense. I mean, I don't think that it was like necessary for for Isabella. To come in, I mean, it's not like they were, they were in need of a of an extra goal to to win this. So, yeah, I think that it, it's it's good that they're trying to take her slowly. And I mean, also we don't know how how she feels because sometimes when when players get into get hit in the head or or it comes after a crash, they they're kind of like maybe a little bit scared of coming back in. So maybe they're just trying to they will try to ease her in when she feels ready, which I think that it's. It's great because I mean she's only seventeen. I mean there's no need to to try and and like like burn her so fast. Yep, definitely. And to wrap up the classical talk, Chivas currently six in at, in uh, second place as we record this podcast. Um, they could end in second or third for the jornada depending on how the classical regio goes. If Rayadas win, Chivas would go down to third place. And if Rayadas tie or lose, they will stay in in second place. So interesting. I'll be keeping my eye on the Clásico Regio and see what happens. What are you What are you pulling for, Melissa? What What result? I mean, I'm pulling for a meteorite to to, to hit that stadium <laughs> with both teams in there, but since that's probably not going to happen, um, I mean, I don't know. I kind of. I think that that the best thing would be for for a Rayadas tire a loss so that we can stay in second place. But I mean, even even if Chivas gets pushed to third, I don't think that anyone was expecting that. And I think that's also something that Chore is just starting to talk about. Like he said, like before the Clásico, I mean, nobody was believing in us to to do a good season. And I think that he's now kind of letting that loose a little bit. I mean, he's always been like very measured and and very thoughtful of what he says. But I kind of like these these little glimpses of of he of him saying, 
I see you. I mean, I, I saw everybody doubting this team, and now we get to to show you you were wrong. And he also said after after the Clásico, this is like for the fans who never stopped it, stopped supporting us. So I think he's kind of like letting letting loose and, and like letting those little things go. And I mean, like we were talking like before the season started, and we we said that Chivas would qualify in six. Any, any, anywhere between sixth and, and eighth place. So, I mean, they're definitely like overperforming, and I think that it's also great that they they are kind of like in a relatively comfortable position in terms of of the games they have left. Like, of course, we all want them to to win against the Regio teams and against Pumas and against everybody they have left. But I think that they've been able to put themselves in a position where qualifying to Liguilla doesn't necessarily depend wholly on on what they're going to do next. So I think that that it's kind of like this. It's putting them like on a on a frame of mind that it's going to let them feel feel calm heading into what they're what what they're heading into next. So that can only help the team. But yeah, I mean I think that um it was great to see Chore so happy. I mean like his eyes were glowing and I think that he was very, very emotional. And he also said before the before the Clásico, uh, in my mind, I want to turn this team into the campeonissimas del, del, of the of the women's league. And like he says, I hope that I can, I am able to achieve that. And I think that you are kind of seeing his vision for the team and, and what he can bring to the table as a coach. I think that that he's been underrated. And like I know that maybe some people will write off this win as I mean America was really bad and America was a mess, but I think that we do need to give him some credit because the tactics and everything that that he worked with the team is also like partly responsible of of why Chivas looks so dominant on this game. Yeah, definitely his system that he implemented in the off season is definitely paying off, and. So let me ask you, Melissa, you know, we were also talking offline that maybe like big profile games like these may bring negative attention to the women's team and maybe the women's league overall. Um, for example, we saw it with Janelli. Uh, fans were attacking her in her mentions on Twitter. Um, there was that one picture that had Licha and scoring the goal and then Janelli kind of behind her. And I, I saw a lot of fans adding her with that. But what do, what do you think, Melissa? Is this like, is, are, do these big profile games bring negative attention to the women's team? Or is it, or how they say, like, you know, any press is good press? I think that there's like a, a bunch of factors. I mean, the league doesn't exist on a vacuum. And like, of course, Mexico is like a, a country that struggles with, with machismo a lot. And that's, of course, going to bleed into the way people react to, to the women's league. And also I think that there's a, a lot of Chivas fans who may be frustrated at the because of the way the men's team is playing and everything that's happening there. So they're just maybe trying to to like take it off on, on, on the women because they're starting to get like all this positive attention and I think that also like journalists can do a lot better on that because like I saw fighters on Twitter that, oh, they should show the men footage of the women so that they can learn how to win and stuff like that. I mean, that doesn't really help. 
because I don't think that that you really need to to like compare them. I mean, each of the teams. I mean, Chivas Femenil has not been without its own issues, and I think that we need to be careful in the way we frame those kinds of things because somebody might think that oh, he's paying a compliment to them because he's he's telling the guys to learn from them. But that all that also brings like a lot of negative attention and like it puts extra pressure on the players that they don't really need because now everybody is going to be like expecting them to win and and whenever they they lose or they fail people are going to double down on criticizing them because they are being held up to such a high standard. So I mean I just I don't know like if you are not going to consistently cover up the the women's game and and try to give it like a fair coverage, then, I mean, don't get into the topic at all because you're just basically using them like as a weapon to to hit the club and hit the team, the men's team. So you are not really interested in how the women are doing or that they, or that they, they are doing well. You're just trying to use them like for your own ends. And that's why I really hate seeing that. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think that some of the of the people, like even, even Chivas fans, they're not not all going to love the team and like that's okay i mean you you are not like obligated to to watch every feminine game and like it's okay if you you don't enjoy it but going from that to to hating or or like throwing harassment at, at players or former players i mean that's not okay and like for anyone like even on the men's side like i i've never been a fan of that so yeah i mean i can i kind of understand like there's a lot of of frustration there with the with the men with everything surrounding the team, but I mean that's just not like not bring that to to the to the women because they're just doing like their best with what they have and and like there's no need to to be engaging on on that kind of like bad faith like arguments and and fights with them. Yeah, I think it has its pros and cons. I think. Um... These big these games are you know quote unquote big profile games because of you know the history that comes with the men's teams, but you know that doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing and it's a great way to build and bring attention to the to the women's league, and then you know you bring up the the journalists that kind of compare them to the men and you're right it just sucks up the women's teams for backlash from you know fans that maybe only watch the men's team and then they're just gonna create like this unnecessary grudge against the women's team that they don't really watch or they they don't really understand why they why they're doing well or why they or why they might be doing bad so i you know it works both ways um but what i would like to see a little more of would be like you know we see the women post about like watching the men's games all the time but you know a quick search through like um a lot of the men's players' Instagrams, nobody, I think, mentioned that they were watching the Clásico Femenil on TV or anything. And then, you know, compared to the women's team, the night that the men played um, America, you know, Miriam Garcia was at the game. A lot of them were posting, you know, pictures of their TVs and saying, vamos chivas, like, supporting the men's team. So I think we see it from a Maori, right? We see a Maori congratulated them post-game and brings attention to the team. But I think, you know, they can also, I don't want to say like force the players to do it, but it would be a good look to have players from the men's team posting about, you know, a Chivas Femenil win 
or I'm watching this game and, you know, vamos Chivas, something quick, you know, it doesn't have to be anything in depth. It's just, you know, showing support. And I think that's a way to, to bring attention to the feminine team in a positive way from fans. Yeah, I know that Alan Pulido, he, he would go to, to the women's team matches. Um, I think Rodolfo Cota would go too. And from like recent seasons, I know that um, Chapito Sanchez, he his wife has posted videos of their daughter watching the games because I remember that that she said, look, she's Maria Sanchez and like she has the same name as you when, when Maria was on the team. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you, you kind of want to see that that engagement happened, but I mean, it has to be natural because you cannot force them to, to yeah. do it. I mean, they, they really have to do it out of like support for the institution, like as a whole. So, yeah, I mean, I also saw like a lot of people telling Oribe to give his paycheck to, to Licha. Um, I do subscribe to that. <laughs> I think that, but no, I mean, I do, I do hope that, um, Maori will be able to, to like provide more support to the team and like hopefully a lot of the players will get like better salaries next season. I mean, we are we are already getting rumors of departures already. Oh no. <laughs> like from from what I've heard, um yeah, I mean the Miriam Garcia situation is, is kind of weird because there there's not like a confirmed injury report. And apparently what what I've been hearing and, and like again, this is like this has no basis at all. I mean, this is just like gossip floating around the internet. Is that apparently she's like renegotiating her contract and that's why she's playing. I mean, I don't know. But also I think um, Jacqueline Rodriguez is another player that is getting mentioned as she's not like maybe completely comfortable with the team. But I mean, I don't see it on the pitch. Like on the pitch, she's completely being professional. So hopefully it's just like a matter of sorting out her, her salary because, I mean, she's been like a standout for Chivas for a whole year now. So I understand that maybe her, her wages weren't that high, but after this year, I think that she's completely within her rights to to expect a raise. And the other one that had gotten like rumors of maybe leaving was Yashira, but I mean, with her, I think that it's been kind of unlucky that maybe we haven't been able to, to have a system that that kind of like is able to to take out the most of her. So, I mean, we'll see what what happens. But like, I hope that front office is taking things seriously. And and I mean, of course, you are not going to to retain every player, and they should f be free to go if they're not if they want to to look for challenges elsewhere. But I just hope that whoever leaves is not leaving because they are not getting like a good enough wage to stay if they deserve it. Right, exactly. And, you know, you mentioned Yashira. I'd, I'd like her to get more minutes. I think, um, well, she was, I think she was injured at the beginning of the season, right? She just came back from injury. Yeah, she's she's just returning. So, yeah. I mean, we'll but, see what, what plans Chore has for her. I mean, I'm sure that she's going to maybe get some minutes against Pumas and against Cruz Azul. And that, that could set her up in terms of what she can bring to the table for, like, the, the matches against the regio teams and Liguilla. So, I mean, we, we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, it's also partly because she was injured. So, I mean, there wasn't much to do there. Yeah, I, I, I like her. Um, she, I like her personality. I, I, follow, I follow her on Instagram. She's, uh, she's cool. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, really funny. <laughs> and then, all right, to wrap up the Classico and everything else, um, Melissa, do you think this was a statement game 
by the team and Shorty and how they say in Spanish, you know, se vale, se vale soñar. Like, can we start maybe thinking about a, a title at the end of the season? Well, yeah, I mean, Shorty said that they're taking things like step by step and game by game. But, I mean, you cannot look at the, the results that they've been getting, like being neck to neck with Atlas, uh, pulling off a statement win against America and like not get your hopes up. I mean, I think that we're seeing a team that is united and hopefully this will hold up and we're not going to get any issues like the ones we had like at the end of last season. And I think that if they they get good results, it's going to be because of that, because of that unity you're seeing. I mean, at halftime, you could see everybody get together and everybody talking and maybe discussing what they needed to work on for the second half. And you saw the team like living together to the locker room, like in a single like group. So, I mean, that speaks to, to the good work and also the willingness from the players to, to show a united front. So if they can keep um, with that and they also can keep like the level they're showing, I think that, I mean, I, I don't know if they can win a title. I mean, I wouldn't dare to, to say that. I also don't want to jinx it. <laughs> but I do think that whatever results they get in Liguilla, if, even if they're not like as favorable, it looks like this team is going to go down like fighting. Yeah. Like that's what you want to see. I mean, maybe it won't be enough. Maybe it will. But you want them to, you want to see them giving their 100% on the pitch. So I think that, that yeah, I mean, We'll see on the last two two matches, which are against against Rayadas and Tigres, which are some of the toughest ones you can get in the in the league. But I mean, so far so good. I mean, you get a, a draw against Atlas, you get a win against America. So of course that that momentum keeps building up. So yeah, I think that that they're just going to need to to stay grounded and like stay focused. But I don't see why this team could not be a contender now. Yeah, I think. Chivas is, I'm not going to say they're, you know, they have a chance at the title or whatever, but I think it's a team that you want to avoid as long as possible in the Liguilla. You know, you want to be on the opposite side of the bracket of Chivas because I think Chivas is a tough matchup, I think, for everybody, but we'll see once it comes down to the the last two matches of the season against Rayadas and Tigres. I think, I think Shorty and the team itself are going to learn a lot in those two games and then they can look ahead into Ligui. I don't think they're gonna they're not gonna look ahead at any of their games. I know Shorty always mentioned, you know, taking it one game at a time and we focus on our opponent for the week and then we think about our next opponent. We don't look ahead at any game. So I think, you know, Chivas is in a good position right now. And then Yeah and also I mean within within the how hard the the close of the season is for them at least, like, the toughest matches, like, they get Pumas at home, which is always great because Pumas always plays, like, at midday in Mexico City. That kind of takes a toll physically. And then there's, like, a FIFA date, so they're going to be able to, to prepare for two weeks, and then it's Cruz Azul away, and then Rayadas and Tigres are both at home. So it's always great when you get two matches in a row and you don't need to travel and you are at home. So I think that's that's also could help them, like, be fresher for Liguilla as well. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, finishing top four, we get that uh, second game. We'll be at home no matter what for the first round. 
So um, let's talk about Chivas' next game. Chivas is going to play Pumas at Verde Valle. They're going to be playing at on uh, April 4th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I think I think by then, Melissa, they changed the time in Mexico. Maybe. I'm not sure yet. But 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Pumas is coming off a nil-nil tie against Mazatlan. And Pumas' recent results, they have one win against Leon. They have three ties. They tied against Santos, Atlético San Luis, Mazatlán. And then they lost to Tigres, I think, in a 4-0 loss. So that was a that was a pretty big loss. Uh, Melissa, what, what do you expect from this game on, on Sunday, Chivas versus Pumas? I mean, Pumas had a very strong start to the season. They were, they were super leaders at some point. So everybody was expecting or at least waiting to see how, how they would handle like the whole season. But they seem to be struggling. I mean, they haven't been able to, to score much, and they've been racking up draws and losses. So, yeah, I think that, that they're not getting here in the best shape for the close of the season. So, I mean, Pumas has always been defensively uh, a very tight team. They're not easy to score on. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting challenge. So, I mean, hopefully... Chivas can can get a win and yeah I mean they're they're getting some help in the in the fact that Pumas are not at their best right now but who knows I mean they're still a dangerous team to 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 be facing and like I said it's also an extra advantage that they're going to play at home and and not at at Mexico City yeah I'm looking at the table real quick right now and I think Pumas has what the second best defense of the of the league behind Tigres they have 10 goals against. I'm scrolling real quick. Yeah, I think they have the second best defense of the league. So it'll be interesting to see if we can break them down. Yeah, I mean, that's that has been their strength for a very long time. I mean, it's not something that just happened for this season. Their defense and, and like their goalkeeper too, Melanie Villeda is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. So, I mean, it's also going to be like an interesting like matchup for, for Chivas to see how they can break down the defense and how they can they can they can handle that and I think it's going to be good practice for for Licha, Caro, and Jocelyn to see what they can do with that. Yeah, definitely Num- the number one offense versus the number two defense. So definitely going to be like a chess match between uh, both coaches and I trust Shorty. I trust that he'll have a plan. So I'm I'm gonna hope for a Chivas a Chivas win. Yeah, hopefully Licha can keep building on for that Golden Boot race because... Oh, yeah. I mean, right now she has, what, 15 goals? Yep. And Allison, who is in second place, has place has 12. So she has a three-goal lead. And, like, hopefully she can keep building on that because I really want to see her win the Golden Boot. I think that would be, like, really great for her. Are you ready to say that it's a two-player two race, the Golden Boot? I'm looking at it right now. Um, Daniela Solis has nine for Rayadas. Eileen Aviles has eight, but she has like a third of the minutes that Licha and Allison have, which is ridiculous. And then you have Katia at seven goals, but I think she's she's a little injured up right now, right? Yeah, she's not playing today because of an injury. I think that she's starting to like do some light practice, but yeah, I think that they're going to try and save her for for Liguilla. So yeah. I mean, I don't see her see them rushing her in and like Daniela Solis is really picking momentum right now 
but it's six goals, so I mean it's going to be complicated maybe if Licha keeps up the pace. And with Alison, I think that she has been struggling a little bit lately. So I mean I I don't know. I think I mean of course anything can happen, but and Chivas may have like a bit of the the hardest calendar out of those teams. But the way Licha is looking right now, I mean, I don't see, I don't see her stopping anytime soon. So it's also going to be interesting because there's the FIFA break. So we'll see how oh, yeah. how each of them comes back. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about the FIFA break uh, possible national team call-ups for Chivas? Yeah, this one's going to be an interesting one because it's um, the national team's first European tour in. I don't know how long, <laughs> because they, they played um, Cyprus Cup um, on 2019. Yeah, because on 2020, I think they didn't play that. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be I it's going to be great for the national team, but I'm kind of worried. I don't want them to to loan any Chivas players because I just want them to be kept safe here. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, the, so far the, the confirmed rivals are Spain and Slovakia. I think the, the match against Slovakia is first and then Spain. So, I mean, who do I see going? I mean, it depends on, on what Miriam Garcia's situation is because she already had been called up, but she was injured. But I think that they're definitely going to call Licha and Caro. I, I, I can see Vergara calling them because of their recent form and and so that you know they they can keep um or she can keep seeing how they play with the with the national team and also this would be like a huge deal for for Licha I mean it's your second call up and you already get a European tour I mean I think that would be massive for her we saw how how big a confidence boost like her national team debut was so I think that this can only be positive for her so I hopefully she gets called up and. Above all, hopefully she returns in one piece. Otherwise, uh, I'm ready to donate any tendons or any tissue she needs. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that it would be of the best quality, but <laughs> <laughs> but I am willing to give any organs or anything she needs. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that's the thing. You, you want them to go and shine, but you kind of also want them to stay and not, not be risked. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. To see what Monica Vergara decides. I mean, maybe she'll go with a mostly European roster. I mean, the list is expected to be out by Thursday or Friday, so we should know soon who who's heading to to Europe with her. Yeah, we were talking offline, and you know, you mentioned I hope they don't call Lee Chop, and I was like, I was actually just thinking about it, like you know, with Katy Katy Martinez a little banged up, it might mean that Lee Chop gets to start with like the A team. And we can really see how she'll fit, how she would fit in into that national team. But you do have a point. Like Chivas, I know on the men's side has a history of letting their players go to the national team and then they return them to us broken. So I definitely don't want that to happen with Caro uh, or Licha. But um, I don't know. I I think it's important that that they go and they get that exposure. And then I even saw some people tweeting the day of the Clásico, like. Um, you know, if you take her, make sure she comes back. Like, <laughs> so <someone laughs> they might don't just keep buy her, her in Spain. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, gotta buy I mean, her on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I want them to. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want her to stay if she has offers and she gets a good offer. I mean, 
I, I've never been like that kind of of person, but yeah, I mean, I, I just want her to stay for a little bit longer at Chivas. <laughs> and I mean, I, I don't know how things would would work out for this for this call up. I mean, just basically any team where you put Caro and Licha together is going to be the A team. Doesn't matter who else you <laughs> pair them with. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And and definitely, I mean, Kathy most likely not being available is going to open like a huge opportunity for her and she should absolutely take it so i mean i think that on the women's side we haven't gotten any injuries from from players going to the national team so i'm hoping i did not just jinx it (laughs) and we also haven't discussed um is the curse broken oh i think i think it might i think uh, the amy curse has been broken and and against her own team which is crazy. Yeah, maybe that's what um, the curse required to <laughs> to end. So, but she did want yeah. them to lose, and she got her wish. Quaya uh, resigned after the Clasico. So did yeah. So maybe did, that's what happened. Did we really win, or did she she win after all? Like, <laughs> it's going to depend on whether they appoint Christopher Quaya or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if Christopher Quaya gets appointed, then the curse is broken. Yeah. But if they okay. get like Carla Rossi or someone like that, then Amy definitely still has. Like she said that she wanted us to say that, like she didn't have that much power. But yeah, I don't know. Like the results of these experiments are still inconclusive, so we don't know what to think anymore. And also, like I have a complaint <laughs> on behalf of the of the intern because she asked me to do a preview video for for the Clásico. And then I did this really good video with the cat intern, like giving his predictions. And then she never posted it, so the intern sends a message that he's no longer <laughs> willing to to cooperate with Footmex Nation. So <laughs> you just lost him, Amy. And now the intern is demanding an apology and some reparations because <laughs> he wanted to start on Footmex Nation social media and he got he he got denied the opportunity. So. Yeah, I just I just wanted to 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 get that out there because otherwise the intern was going to be angry at me. So, <laughs> damn, the intern got no love from Footmax Nation. That's not cool. <laughs> uh, Melissa, do you want to save the Nelly Simon and uh, Andrea Medrano interviews for the next pod? I haven't had a chance to look at the. I haven't had a chance to listen to the Medrano interview, and we do have that FIFA break coming up after the Pumas game. So I think that'd yeah, be like the perfect place to put it. Yeah, I think that we should leave that for like the FIFA break and stuff. Um, all right. So Chivas will be playing Pumas on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, wherever you are. Uh, April 4th, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Verde Valle. So definitely check that game out. That You can watch that on Chivas TV. And if you need a VPN, just get a VPN and watch it on Chivas TV. And Does yeah, Telemundo well, broadcast those games? Oh yeah, at... Telemundo Deportes, the app. Yes, support Telemundo Deportes <laughs> app. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll edit that. <laughs> uh, yeah, check it out on the Telemundo Deportes app as well. Um, April 4th, 12pm Eastern Standard Time. We'll be back to talk about that game and hopefully we'll be talking about Achivas win. We are out. Oh.